and welcome to episode two of The Wine Record. I'm Andrew Elliott with... Um, Chris Record, again, with Andrew drinking wine. More wine. Actually, no, we're not drinking wine. We're tasting wine. This is the thing. See, yeah, clearly, uh, you know, I'm rubbing off on you in the sense that we should just finish the whole bottle. Nope. No. <laughs> we're here to, to break down various wines and as we've mentioned before, what we're trying to do with this program is taste every bottle commercially available on the island. So every bottle of wine we can get our hands on that's commercially available that you could go to the grocery store and purchase or maybe go to a specialty shop because it depends where you can get it. But if we're talking about it, there's a 99% chance that you're able to purchase it somewhere in Jamaica. Exactly. Today, what do we have sitting in front of us? What we have sitting in front of us is uh, Gerard Bertrand Cote de Rosé. Cote, well, it actually says Cote de Roses, uh, Rosé, 2022. Um, interesting wine. It's not from your typical Rosé region because this wine comes from the Languedoc-Roussillon region of France, which is just down below Bordeaux, you know, a little bit south of Bordeaux, that, 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 that area. Usually, Rosés come from a little bit further south, let me see, southwest, but this one is just as relatively delightful, a little bit full of body, but yeah, so it's uh, Gerard Bertrand, Cote de Roses Rosé, 2022. The interesting with this wine mm-hmm. is this bottle. They have managed to do almost like an ice carving in the base of the bottle. Andrew, maybe this, this needs to have a video. Anyway, on the base <laughs> of the bottle. That's for later. <laughs> that's it's for later. audio first. Audio then, first. Then when okay. we get pretty enough okay. to be on camera, okay. that's the ticket. Right. Right. Bottle, bottle is very attractive. Um, I noticed this yesterday when I, when I laid it down in the refrigerator. Then I sort of realized that, wow, there's actually, it's like, it's like, just imagine someone giving you a rose and you're taking the rose and arresting it on the table and you're just looking at the rose. That's how the bottom of the bottle looks. Very interesting. I promise you, Chris is not describing how this show is eventually changing into The Bachelor. <laughs> no. No, <laughs> no, no. So this is a blend of uh, Grenache, Cinson on Syrah. It's not the typical wine bottle, so it doesn't look like a Burgundy bottle or uh, a Bordeaux bottle. How would you describe this bottle, Andrew? Like a trumpet? Is that uh, the best way to describe yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Kind of like a trumpet. Yeah. Like it's thin at the at the neck and right. it thins out, but then at the base you've got this sort of what would be a wide base, and 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 in that base exists an ice carved rose. Yeah, and it's really yeah. beautiful. It's it's nice, and you can very much after finishing this bottle, you can uh, then use it as a vase because it's got the rose on it, and you can uh, advertise to everybody that uh, you're a drinker. <laughs> of course. So talking about drinking, yeah. Well, no, we're not drinking, we're tasting. So let's taste. <laughs> okay. On the nose, well, this specific wine, uh, somehow I'm, I'm getting a little bit more complexity than I would normally get in some of these roses, but this one I'm getting the usual floral notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, there's some hints of citrus that, that, that I'm picking up. I'm not sure if you're actually picking up any of that. Uh, you know what? Mm-hmm. A little orange peel? Ah, see, you got it going on. Yeah. Grapefruit maybe. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. Well, and okay, that's the thing. And it's one thing I want to talk about, because when you look at this bottle, it's a clear bottle, so you can see the color of the wine. And pink in almost everybody's brain automatically means sweet. So that's one of the things that I had to find a very diplomatic way to explain to folks as they came into the wine bar looking for wines and I had to almost do an interview to try to figure out what's your taste profile. Right. Because there are people that are, they have a 
almost an allergic reaction to sweet wines. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. kind of showing their, called <laughs> their seniority in the wine tasting rank. Gotcha. And you mentioned pink, they're going to push you away. And then there are those that's all they want. They want the sweet. Mm. So I had to just, you know, come up with all these various explanations to explain that traditional rosé wines are generally dry, mm-hmm. right, from the dry region. And try to explain the whole concept of what has happened with the white zinfandel. Because when white zinfandel was accidentally created in, in, in North America, it then created this whole new genre of, um, or new cohort, I should say, of, of, of wine drinkers that actually like that style of wine, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, we got this pink wine that actually tasted sweet. So... Yeah, so it's been an interesting learning experience for the majority of wine drinkers to learn that you know most most pink wines are actually dry, right? And um, of course, there are nuances with the dryness because there are some that are we use a term we call fruit forward. In other words, it's not sweet, but it's like borderline kind of almost sweet. Mm-hmm. But it's technically, if you measured it with the amount of you know sugar content that's in there, it's actually you know non-existent almost, uh, pretty low. So we are drinking a dry rosé which is a very delightful dry rosé. Again, interesting on the complexity. It's a little bit more complex. Maybe it's from the region. Maybe it's the winemaker. It has a little bit more oomph. Um, when you look at alcohol content, we're at 13%, so that actually answers the question. Right. You know? Um, so a blend of three grapes. Uh, it's, you know, complex, delicious. And yeah, a, a word that I think you dug up in, in, your, in your research. It's energetic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, when I look at the pink... And we talked about color in the in the previous episode when we were looking at a uh, and tasting a Pinot Grigio. I would describe this pink, and there is a gamut of pinks when you're looking at rosés. And the deeper the pink doesn't mean the sweeter. We already covered that. It can it can it can cover everything. I would call this salmon. And I think you are correct uh, in salmon. Um, the winemakers they call it brilliant pink. Right? I like mine better. Right. <laughs> you know, with a soft, pale, brilliant pink with bluish tints. Developing over time towards a more orange nuance. No, okay, they win. That's the, they clearly <laughs> That's paid the, somebody. And now exactly, yeah. some poet or something came in. <laughs> is that yeah. where poets are these days? No, Just writing you. wine descriptions? And That's what happens, believe it or not. You know, slight rabbit hole story, but they are companies that pay writers, copywriters, to come in and write notes for wines that they haven't even tasted. Oh. Anyway, that's for another episode. <laughs> You know what? There we, we should just do that. We should write down what we think a wine is going to taste before we taste it and see if uh, we can be oh, as close as ours. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. So you got some citrus. Yeah. Um, on the palate, what, what are you getting? I'm, I'm, getting the, I'm getting a bit of strawberry. Okay. Uh, now, sometimes I think that's always just my brain tricking me because it's pink, but I, I'm definitely getting a bit, of, a bit of berry and a bit of currant mm-hmm. because it is a little bit tart. There is some citrusy hints in there. And again, um, is one of the things I also explain over and over to folks. I said, look, what you get is what you get. You remember, the winemaker did not inject or squeeze grapefruit in there or squeeze oranges in there. Right. In the winemaking process, this grape varietal ends up tasting like, and whatever that like means, it's what you as the interpreter actually gets. There is citrus there, so whether it's more grapefruity or more orangey, um, I think it's light. You know, I had grapefruit this week, so it's a quick reference for me. So yeah, so it's in your brain, and I think yeah. that's one of the other things too, because when we we use descriptors, right. and you have a lot more than I do, obviously, but they're what you're used to. It's what you're used to in your head. So you said you had grapefruit; it's there already. I had strawberries; it's there already. 
take a, an example, if I had newsberries instead, I mean, that's not what I'm tasting here, but there could, in theory, that taste is, is the descriptor that I use to describe the, what, what flavor I'm getting. So there's this, and I don't remember the name of the gentleman now, but he wrote um, a relatively scientific book on wine tasting mm -hmm. and got down into almost doing DNA for each grape varietal and showed very similar to what you explained a while ago, if you tasted um, a certain uh, fruit before, they would then have some breakdown as to what exactly gives that taste, but they, they broke it down more into chemicals, right? Okay, yep. And when you looked across citrus, there's similarities. Okay. Across floral notes, there's all these similarities. So there's all, the, just, just like when we talk about the, in the human DNA and copy, you know, compare with a, a monkey DNA, you know, we have X amount of percentage of, or they have, right. you know, so there's this commonality and common base of citrus. I'm just a know? chatty chimpanzee. I get you. <laughs> we all are. So yeah, um, again, you know, talking to a customer who's sitting down in a restaurant wanting to choose some wine, we don't need to get so technical. Talking to someone standing up in a supermarket who just needs to get some wine, we don't need to get so technical. The wine is nice, it is medium refreshing, it is tasty, and I would buy this again. Oh, absolutely. By talking about buying, yep. the price is, so what's, what's interesting with all these wines, you know, when, when I call around asking people to send some bottles, I try to keep the price within a region because, again, here in Jamaica, we have to import the products, the government uh, charges, uh, when you compound everything, approximately, don't take this as a as, as scientific okay. exact evidence. So it's, it's rounds out to between 90 to 100% of whatever the original purchase price is, gotcha. right? So these wines that we're tasting are approximately in the 3,000 to 4,000 Jamaican dollar region. So, you know, divide it by two, then you, you, you divide by exchange rate of 150, you get a feel as to what the US price of the wines usually are. And that's a, that's a basic formula that I use for, for practically every wine that I see everywhere. Okay. Compare US and Jamaican to say, am I in striking distance, you know? Or yeah. is this guy ripping me off, you know? <laughs> well, okay, and, and this is an interesting thing because I have heard in the past that rosés are some of the cheapest wines to produce. It depends. Okay. Like in the wine world, Everything depends okay. because in the region that makes the finest rosés, they are going all out to make the finest rosés. Okay. Right? Because remember, the wine, a, a rosé goes through different processes. Oh, and by the way, different, region, different regions, I'm drinking too much wine now. <laughs> You're tasting too much <laughs> wine. Too much. That's it. Different regions have different legal and regulatory requirements okay. for how that wine is made. Some people mix red and white to create pink. Okay. While other regions, you can't do that. What you have to do is you start the process of making red wine, then you stop it partway, okay. and then you get a pink wine. So depending on how you're doing, one way is cheaper than the other, right? Right. And depending on the product you're trying to create and the market that you're creating it for. So again, like with a lot of things with wine and food, it all depends. Okay, so it may be the same factory making uh, Air Jordans and Reebok pumps, but you know, one's a the more brand. expensive okay. shoe. Correct. So this is about 3,000 Jamaican dollars. You can get it on the island. It's yes. a beautiful bottle. If you're just looking for a vase. Yeah, so this one, Andrew, won't be widely available. Okay. It will be available in the more high-end supermarket, uh, more premium you know, retail outlets. Yep. And by the way, quick discussion about availability of wines in the island. So one of the, one of the challenges that we have is that in Jamaica, the importer and the distributor 
is usually the same person. Okay. And so what happens is that if that distributor happens to also own a retail store, you can get the products there. Okay. If that distributor does not own a retail store, then you kind of have to figure out where does that uh, distributor has its product. So we have two organizations in Jamaica that are connected to their own retail store, whether they partially own or fully own a retail store. So there's, you know, people call me, hey, Chris, can I get this wine at excellent location? No, that location only sells 100% wines that they import, uh, nothing else. Okay. Don't go there trying to find anything. But most people don't know mm -hmm. what wines they import and all of that. I mean, 15, 20 years in the wine industry in Jamaica, I kind of have, I have everybody's wine brands and list in my head. It's so quite a Rolodex. <laughs> it's, yeah. I kind of know where to go and where not to go for wine. So that's just one little warning. Not every wine is available every place um, at, at every location, but the high-end supermarkets. So like, again, mentioned in Lushusan, Super Plus. Um, Super Value Fresh Mart. Fresh Mart. Those two and maybe Mega Mart may have a majority of the finer wines that are around town. Okay, and we're talking about the Gerard Bertrand Cote de Roses Rosé 2022. Uh, you can't mistake the bottle. Uh, you, you'll know it when you see it. There's a giant rose on the bottom. You have a lift it up, take a look. All right. Yep, good, good stuff. Ooh, it's pretty. Ooh, and it's sweaty too, so yeah. it's, it, looks, <laughs> it looks like a fresh-picked rose. Yeah. This is episode two of The Wine Record. I'm Andrew Elliott with Chris Record. Chris, what do we got coming up in episode three? In episode three, we're going to go sparkling and we're going to go Italy again because we've been Italy at the beginning. Episode one was Italy. Episode two was France. We're back in Italy with episode three. Just to round things out, though, we're going to play Don Ho's Tiny Bubbles. So we'll have Hawaii meets Italy. That's not happening. But we're still going to try some Prosecco. And remember, you can listen to any episode in any order. It doesn't really matter. There's no long-term narrative. We're just tasting wines. But we should always thank the group that got us the wines. And specifically for this episode, we're thanking... This episode, we're thanking the Betco Premier Limited that provided us with this amazing Cote de Roses Rosé, the Gerard Bertrand. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. 